Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to In Conversation, a Dub Lab podcast where each week we will bring you interviews from the Dub Lab radio archives. I can't hear you. Okay, how is now? Can you hear me now? Yes. Now yes, and now I'm wearing headphones, so just give me a second. Um, Let me here see. we are. I'm getting a good signal here. Yes, very good. Yeah. First of all, we have. I've never heard you pronounce your name. Is it Arle? Uh, well, um, uh, it's Alejandro is my name. So, uh, so uh, in Spanish, it would be Ale. Ale. Yes. Yeah, okay. So, Ale. That's fine. <laughs> Ale, yes, yes. yes the machine, machine is running, so my answers will be on the tape. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, Good to see you. I think for the first time. No, actually, um, I mean, um, uh, about a, a bit over a year ago, when Solo One, uh, the the first uh, one of the two box sets came out, uh, I interviewed you with my friend Spencer here at Dubla. And okay. Yes, right. yes. I, uh, but I wasn't on camera, and I was the co-host of the interview. So, so this. I'm partly right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, but uh, we were emailing uh, a few months ago before COVID nineteen happened in, in trying to bring you to LA, and uh, oh, my goodness, uh, what a different situation we're in now. Right. Yes. Yes. Tough. Yes. A tough one. Tough. Actually. Tough. Tough. Yeah. Yes. Uh, am I um, am I talking to you today from your from your home? No, I'm in Italy. You're in Italy. Um, yes, I escaped Germany when the borders were opened. <laughs> and I drove uh, my partner. She's Italian. She lives here. And so I took the opportunity and didn't uh, waste a, ta a day. So I drove down to Pisa. Okay. Wow. A two-day drive. A two-day drive. Whoa, 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 whoa. Yes, long, long, long drive. Yes, uh, with you, um, uh, did you bring with you uh, any equipment to record or do you always carry with you any instruments or any basics to just uh, keep creativity flowing? Um, usually I fly to Pisa. In uh, recent years, I always had a direct flight from two different airports, Berlin or some other place. But um, in this, in these days, Corona, I didn't trust the airlines, so I thought, okay, this is a terribly long drive. But the advantage is that I can take musical gear along and much more stuff, other stuff, and that's what I did. And also a nice recording. It's a small handheld PCM recorder, and it has a very good audio quality. And yes, of course, um, my partner is also interested in music and she has many ideas. And so we are also spending uh, some afternoons or evenings working on her material. Yeah, yes. keep the the ideas flowing. Yes, sure. yes. who knows? It may be, uh, uh, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it may be, this may lead to your first record uh, made uh, in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know really. Um, I'm, maybe you also follow the development in Europe. The figures are rising, the infection rates, and I'm not so sure really how to um, handle the situation. I actually wanted to return to Forst, my home in Germany, um, in September at least for a, a certain period, because I have things to organize there also. But right now, I don't know, you know, if it would be terrible if 
I just passed the Swiss border into Germany to hear in the radio the news that the, the borders were closed again. Yes. And um, of course, this may may not happen from one day to the to the next. But you can't be too sure. Yeah. France has terribly high uh, infection rate and Spain also. And I think um, we can be we can consider ourselves lucky if we avoid the uh, return of the lockdown, which we had in spring. Yes, exactly. Yes. Here in Los Angeles, it's uh, uh, well, Los Angeles is a very peculiar city in how it is structured. So um, uh, in many ways, I always say, and, and fortunately, and, and in a way kind of selfish, uh, I could say, but uh, uh, it is a city that uh, um, it offers more of an opportunity to not create your own adventure in a way. Uh, you mm -hmm. know, there's a lot of things you don't, you don't have to come across if you don't want to, uh, which mm -hmm. is uh, sometimes, sometimes tragic that, that you know, you, you, you should be confronted with certain realities. But uh, the way that the, the, the layout of the city, the way the neighborhoods are, are laid out, it's, it's, it's very, very spread. It's huge. It's a huge city. I so, know. Yeah. I've been to Los Angeles and I have uh, impressions. I have memory of the endless row of houses and places and suburbs and Yeah, it just yes. goes on and on and on. Yes, yes, exactly, yes. I remember seeing you here in Los Angeles live at the Knitting Factory years ago um, with John. That must have been 2004 yes. with John Frusciante and Josh Klinghoffer on drums. Yes. Yes. That was a great that show. Was a, that was a great experience. Um, it was also surprising for me um, when uh, John invited me to come over for concerts that he wanted me or wanted us to perform my solo music. Yes. Because when we met a year earlier and then started talking about doing something together, for me it was clear, okay, we'll improvise. We'll do some improvised music. No, 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 let's play Gloria, let's play Palmengarten, let's play the <laughs> Doppelganger. He had a total list of all the tracks he always wanted to play it was very funny <laughs> and he even had to show me how to play the guitar on palmengarten because i hadn't uh, i just recorded that track in 83 and never played it again after that but he knew exactly how to play it <laughs> <laughs> that's great yes uh, actually um uh, i i know john uh, through one of our dj's uh, Mar marcy Uh, um, she's uh, the, they're um, uh, they're a couple and they're partners. And uh, I I, uh, I met John a few times, and he recently DJed on Dub Lab with Flea, and they did a retrospective on on their early influences, a lot of punk. Uh, okay. They they focus on all a lot of the punk and hardcore from LA, and uh, he's uh -huh. he's the one. The, the times I met him, he's a wonderful guy. Right. So I was surprised when I heard, I don't know when it was, a few months ago when he suddenly rejoined the band. Yes, I saw it in um, the news too. Yeah. yeah, I was very surprised. I was surprised when he left and also when he rejoined. <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, I uh, just wanted to, to uh, uh, talk to you about the uh, Solo 2. Uh, the solo part 2, the, the box that's coming out. And, um, and I was very pleasantly surprised uh, i have to say i was familiar with uh, uh i would say most of your work uh your solo work uh i haven't heard before uh, the 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 work you've done uh in um uh, for movies uh, when you compose for soundtracks i i didn't know i wasn't familiar with that and um And I obviously uh, I wasn't familiar with the new record, uh, but it was a wonderful listen uh, to, to discover, and uh, and uh, I have a lot of questions about it. It's it's really fascinating. Great, just go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> great, great. Um, so um, let let's see where do, where do we start with this? <laughs> um, um, let's see. Um, there, uh, one of the things I that first struck me on on. Um, uh, Well, the first question about the solo two is uh, um, the um, the break on on solo one and solo two, and and why start at any one part and and start in in you know 
where, where it starts, right? I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, why, <laughs> why do you divide them? And I can, I can assume some things uh, you're saying uh, you, you had to stop somewhere, otherwise it would be this huge box set of, of endless amount of uh, uh, kind of vinyl, you know, or CDs. But, uh, but it, was there any, um, any decisions on, on, on why, why you stopped there and why you started um, off for Solo 2? Yeah, I remember talking to uh, Mareike Hettler of Grönland Records um, when we first thought about uh, doing a box set. And she told me even the German superstar musician Herbert Grönemeyer, he sells millions of albums. He released a, a box set of all of his albums and it didn't go well. If you know if the box set becomes too expensive, and it, um, the people cannot afford it, you can't just uh, expect that people spend five hundred euros or five hundred dollars for a box set. And I think um, because Mareike is also a very clear-thinking person, she had this idea. Um, the the box set should not cost more than a certain amount, like 130 euros. This is something we can justify and expect fans to be able and willing to pay. So yes. that was the beginning of the talk. And then we, dis we discussed ideas, concepts, or moved them around in our minds. What kind of order... So it was not clear from the beginning that it would be a chronological order. It could have been um, a box set of not even albums, but of music selected by uh, some person, like um, a trusted person um, who knows about music, is some outstanding personality. And that would have been like a curated version of my music. But then we, 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 we didn't uh, go, uh, continue with that thought. And it made sense to just chronologically release all the original albums. And then that was um, box set solo one, the first four solo albums, and then the film score and the remixes and live recording. That was what could fit into the box set for the maximum um, price people would have to pay. Yes. So that was that was the beginning of the, um, the plan. And the box set went very well, was very successful. People really appreciated that. And it was clear that sooner or later we would also release uh, the rest of my solo catalog, all the other albums. And this year, I was actually surprised. Uh, it was March. We, I came back from a concert in Austria and coronavirus hit us and all the concerts were cancelled. Everything just fell apart. And then um, there was this idea, okay, then let's release all the other albums, do another box set. And then I, I, I thought, well, now that I don't have any concerts and I'm not rushing around the world anymore right now, I should perhaps look into my archives and pick up the work, which I knew all the time was waiting for me to continue working on it. The material of the recording sessions I did with this British singer and cello player. She only sang for me, but she's a wonderful cello player, by the way, Sophie Joyner. And that was a session I did with her in 97. And uh, a selection of those uh, recordings were released on my album, on the last solo album, Remember the Great Adventure. And after that album was released in 2004, I, of course, first I concentrated on, for instance, playing with John and Josh and uh, also Secret Machines. That were great um, experiences. 
And then I started playing live all over the world with Harmonia also, and then later with, as, with my solo project. And I knew all the time that um, there was this um, uh, journalist put the tag gold mine on it. You know, I, I, I'm not sure. It sounds a bit strange, but like in my own sense, it was a gold mine. I knew that it was a very productive period. There was so much material left unreleased um, back then. And so I started looking into the material, the recordings, and that was then clear that I would do a new solo album and also include it in the Solo 2 box set. That was the story of March. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, okay. And and then was there any... Uh, I noticed that uh, obviously the, the, the first uh, box set uh, focuses on... on uh, mostly on Sky Records, the releases from the Sky Records era, while um, Solo 2 is uh, Polydor, and then uh, the, the later releases on, on uh, uh, other labels that release your music, such as uh, Random Records and um, so, so on. Um, is there a, a recent... Is there a, did you approach the records on these two labels uh, differently? Do you did that mark a, a, a different way of working when you when you were creating these records? Uh, influenced by the label and the way they worked? I know sometimes that's the case with artists. Oh, that's an interesting question. Actually, this has never crossed my mind. I would never let a label interfere with my artistic choices. Really, this is something that was removed from thought when we started Neu. This was always our decision and um, the label got the finished recordings and we was told this is the new album. Hmm. And you know it was not being arrogant but we are the artists and this was our idea and our child sort of the music and um, Maybe we are we were always a bit different from many British or even American bands who have producers and art management and talking with record companies about um, how to achieve more sales, something like that. You know, we were always only uh, focused on creating something that pleased us. First of all, that convinced us, and then it was the decision of the people to either like it or reject it. But the basis was always we recorded and released the material that we were convinced of. Yes. Um, I, w I wanted to, to, to touch on um, the... Um, um, the, the new work, right? You look at uh, at um, um, uh, releases or, or the newer work, things that uh, uh, work, uh, music from Speranza or uh, Remember the Great Adventure and even Dreaming. And uh, I, I started noticing a, a, a departure from from the how can I put it the the, the, the classic core sound of, of Michael Rother as as you're known for and you see the and I and I hear the embracing of, of other idioms in music uh, or, of other uh, genres you start hearing some uh, touches of uh, drum and bass so you start hearing things <laughs> of, 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 of things uh, sounds from other influences that, that that were happening in the world and 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 with dreaming it so it almost feels like full circle where uh, it's it's a full uh, um, merge of, of the two, uh, where I feel like there's a lot of the, the very classic sounds with with uh, other influences really blended into almost undistinguishable uh, the, the the two separations, and uh, that's that's mm -hmm. what what I heard a lot uh, in 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 going um, chronologically in your in your releases. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think uh, um, do you see it as such? Do you see a change in, in the way uh, you uh, compose music or you were listening to music or taking influences from from other parts of, of uh, the musical uh, musical trends uh, music spectrum that's happening? Well, of course, we're talking about uh, quite a span of time, you know, yes. we're talking about 
uh, Lust, the first album in solo two box set, was released in '83. So that's nearly 40 years ago. <laughs> yes. um, it's incredible, uh, especially for me because it still feels so close. You know, when um, all the albums were remastered this spring and I checked all the, the new mastering. I had to listen very carefully to every second of every album and it was um, it was an interesting trip to go through all those albums again. I, Of course I know, I really know every second of every album. It's deep in my system, it's engraved in my memory, but um, Enjoying the improvement in sound which the mastering engineer achieved this year was also wonderful. And um, maybe I'm not the right person really to uh, to explain my connection to the outer world because I'm I'm so close to everything. But it is clear that over the years I found new technology, new sound, new possibilities of sound creation and stumbled upon new sounds which were happening in the musical world. For instance, on the album Lust. By the way, maybe I should explain that the German word, the title Lust, is not the English word lust. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. This. I think this is not obvious for uh, uh, English-speaking people. It, it, it is not. Yes. Yes. And lust is joy in German. It's like you. Maybe you've heard these German expressions "wanderlust," like the joy of hiking. Hmm. The, that, that was um, something that came up in the early early twentieth century. And anyway, so lust comes from the, the word for joy. And I think this is quite an appropriate name for the project, for that album, because it, I was in a quite an optimistic mood. I discovered the Fairlight Music Computer in 82 and really went crazy. It, creating music with the uh, these new possibilities of sound creation, waving, um, drawing waveforms and incorporating samples, which back then was, uh, before that, it was not possible. It was something that was so new. And um, so that was an, the Fairlight Music Computer and the influence technology had on my music is an example of 83 and in a less obvious way it was also the case with uh, Süßherz and Tiefenschärfe, the album that followed in 85, uh, which for instance on the on the first track Süßherz, um, the track takes a lot of the what I call beauty, I consider beauty, from the fact that I Back then, I was able to buy a wonderful reverb unit, a Lexicon um, 200, I think, is the name. And that was the first time that I, in my own home, in my studio, I started the studio in 79, the re professional recording gear, but I didn't have a wonderful reverb. Until then, and the guitar, if you listen to the track Süßherz, it just, it's its so much more beautiful with this, um, this machine. So technology also enables a special creation of music. I would not um, say that it determines the music. I think the music still comes from my heart and from my... Uh, wherever the ideas come from, I have really no idea where they come from, and I don't even want to know. <laughs> this is a secret path. It's something from from the unconscious world, you know, deep inside, and then suddenly you have this melody. And anyway, 
to continue the talk about technology and out maybe uh, influences from the outside world, you may know that I stopped listening to other people's music mostly um, in the early 70s and even today I'm not one of those people who uh, turn on some music source in the morning and turn it off in the evening and listen to whatever comes on all day long. I cannot do that. I love music very much. It's it's such a beautiful um, way of spending time and being inspired and being moved by uh, emotions in music. But I, I need to be able to focus entirely on music. I cannot just let music run in the background. This I don't know how other people can do that. I know many people do it and listen to music just uh, while, I don't know, working. And uh, this is something I, I'm not able to do most of the time. So yes. um, from time to time, I discover something and then I go crazy and listen to it over and over again. There's some beautiful piece from different um, uh, ethnic backgrounds. Uh, do you know the band, the Tuareg band, Tina Riven? Yes, of course. They, they, okay. They've been to develop uh, <laughs> once before. Yes, they're, they're incredible. Uh, yes, that's how I feel. I saw them live in Hamburg once and I get goosebumps when, you know, when they start singing. I, I, and I have to be honest, in the beginning, I was a bit skeptical about the Western way of playing the guitar. They, but they have beautiful sounds on the guitar. It's, yes. um, it's a special sound. But when they sing in this language, which I don't know, their own Tuareg um, language, and it's pure emotion. So it's for me just like music and in that concert, I remember when the choir, it's like uh, it's one solo singer and the choir responding. And so when they um, join together and answer, this is like, yeah, it's, it's amazing and gives me goosebumps. Yeah. Because I don't know what they're singing about, maybe. But even if I knew, it could still be wonderful. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it makes me think a bit of, uh, to quote you, um, uh, uh, that you were saying that uh, your taste is limited, but I, I love the part where you say, uh, there's a whole world of music and I have narrowed it down to 5% of the horizon, but I'm very happy because if, I, if you get closer, that 5% surrounds you 360 degrees. And, and I love, I think that takes me, what you're saying takes me a bit to that quote, uh, this idea that um, uh, you find... Um, you find more in, in limitations uh, than uh, you thrive more creatively in, in limitations than, uh, than in this ever-expanding universe of music. And, uh, and maybe that's your departure place, uh, work with your, the elements you know or you hold dear to you, and from there you create. Well, of course, there's so much music. It's, it's just unbelievable. If you open your ears and eyes and you uh, go on a journey around the world, what all the, the different kinds of music you find is just incredible. Um, what I mean, of course, when I say I narrow down the horizon to 5%, this is just, um, of course, a figure. Maybe I yes. narrow it down to less than 1%. <laughs> <laughs> of it would course. be more closer to the truth um, for my own music. But this is also a fact that is true for nearly everything like science or art. You know, if you look at now talking about my my sphere of music, if you look at the so-called crowd rock music from way back, like if you're not 
familiar with the music, you think, oh, okay, it's like looking at the night sky with the, cl with the stars you see. You think they are all very close together. That's what you think. Yes. But when you get closer to, the, to that topic in art or music or the stars, you notice, wow, this star is... 300 light years away from the star you thought that was just next door. And speaking, transferring that idea into music, you discover, okay, if I really get close to crowd rock, I accept that term, although I don't like it, you know, I have to say. And you, you see, okay, can, very interesting music. But when I get really close, I notice they're not that similar to Noi as I first thought or Kraftwerk or these people are like universes of their own. And um, this is maybe what I thought. When you get closer to, to, to the music, to these uh, different kinds of uh, bands and people, you discover there's a whole new horizon, 360 degrees. Um, I recently saw this documentary about the beginning and the end of the universe. Um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to say on Netflix. I was very impressed. Um, so I, of course, I understand only less than 1% of what the scientists were talking about. But the idea of understanding the beginning of what we consider the universe like the first the i think there was one scientist saying we are now quite close to understanding what happened one millionth of a second after the big bang yes <laughs> so i mean this just blows your mind and of course if you hear the the distances the space the vast amount of space it's just it's very difficult for the human mind for my mind at least to fully grasp the consequences of that yes yes uh, it's interesting when you you talk about uh, the what is so called uh, crowd rock uh, um music as as um people for for many for many reasons for practical reasons uh utilitarian reasons we we put things in in boxes we label things we catalog things uh for better or for worse uh, something just necessary just to simply be able to to carry conversations right but uh but it's interesting you um you bring up the topic that that all these uh, uh all the music from this era or this uh place on earth in in uh, um Uh, is it wasn't such a united front as you would think, right? And uh, and and with that, do you find it surprising uh, looking back in your career what gets picked up by history, and uh, what is uh, what is remembered by history and what is not? Uh, things that uh, you at the time would have thought like, oh, this was amazing. How can no one knows about it? And and other things be like, huh? I never thought history would have picked that up, you know? And That could even be applied to your own music. Uh, uh, do you run into that? Of course. Um, <clears throat> you may know that Harmonia was a total commercial disaster in the 70s. And that surprised me a lot because I just loved what we did. I was totally convinced that this was important. For me, it was important music and music that... Uh, the world was waiting for, sort of. Yes. Uh, um, yeah, with a joke, with a smile. <laughs> But, um, and then I found out it was quite tough to accept that my love was not shared by the audience in the 70s. And so I now know, which I didn't know then because I didn't know what would happen. I didn't really look into the future in the 70s. I was just working from day to day and I didn't think, okay, 30 years later, people will understand this music. I, I think that would not have given me any strength or hope. Uh, it was just, okay, we have to get some money together to pay for the repair of our band bus. Yes. And We're not making any money. That was difficult. But I know now that harmonia music is ar around the world 
has reached audiences and young people in a way that back then in Germany hardly anyone would have um, thought possible because they thought, oh, this is terrible, this is boring, and this is, uh, just stop, please, please stop playing. And so I know the evaluation of music, the understanding changes. It can mean that something that is considered great at some point will be forgotten 10 or, or years later, or maybe even earlier. That happens to many uh, musicians in which I I saw maybe more pop music and very successful musicians who disappeared after three years and you never heard of them again. But it also um, means that some things can survive, sort of, because music survives and um, it's available on record and Maybe you've heard of this wonderful documentary, John was trying to uh, contact aliens, which is now also available. Yes. And John Shepard, the guy who, who, who is pictured in the documentary, he played harmonia music to the, into the, um, I don't know, into the universe. Yes. So. Yes, that it'll be probably be heard in 500 years. Those signals will reach <laughs> some faraway planet or, or 2,000 years. Who knows? Yes. And then there will be someone who says, oh, there were cool cats there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Once you see, you, you see a peak in sales uh, from other planets, orders <laughs> of, of records. Who knows? But yeah, this documentary, I, I really would like to point out because it, it really touched me. Um, such a interesting story and a great documentary. Yes. And um, our music is in it. And yes. it, to hear that he was playing this music already 30 years ago, there was this man somewhere in, I don't know, Montana, somewhere. Yes. I didn't know anything of his existence and of his, um, his, his ideas. And there was our music going out into space. This, this is a very strange and uh, it's a wonderful thought. Yes, yes. Um, in, uh, with, uh, with Solo 2, uh, in a way, uh, the release of this, uh, this box set um, uh, represents a, a kind of a closing for you, uh, meaning that um, um, uh, there's no other box sets to, to be done after this. Uh, that there's no other solo records. When you did solo one, there was another catalog, another second half of the catalog. And, uh, and, and, and also with a solo two, um, I see uh, with, in the album Dreaming has an image of a family. Uh, and is that, is that your family? Is that you as, as a kid? Yes, that's right. Um, it's a very, it's one of the few a great photos of my family. My father took it of my brother, my mother and me in Karachi, Pakistan, must have been 1960. And um, it's so, such a wonderful photo and we look happy. And when I started talking with the graphic designer, Walter Schönauer, who worked on the design for the package of Solo Box and Dreaming, uh, we were going through photos out of boxes in my archives and he noticed when I picked this photo up, the print, that I got quite emotional. Um, my, my brother died early this year. My mother is uh, died already many, 17 years ago. And of course, my father died when I was 15. Um, so, and also seeing this as a, I don't know, uh, of course, I'm not neutral. I'm not, um, um, I, I have a very strong feeling connected to this memory, but I think it's a wonderful work of cover art. And this is the reaction I've been getting ever since the um, this image has been distributed that people say, oh, this looks lovely. And it is really my family. 
Yes, and 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 to me, uh, I mean, I uh, maybe I'm I'm um, looking for a connection that is not there, but I, I do see a connection in in trying to uh, give this uh, this. Round, you know, this this uh, rounding up uh, everything in your life is uh, the, the the two box sets uh, solo two, uh, um, um, uh, incorporating uh, the the rest of your solo work, uh, including other material, and and with that a new record, and and uh, uh, and including a photograph of of you and your family when uh, when you were a child. Um, what it's almost to me. Um, putting everything in place for you to start a new era from here. I don't know if that, that makes sense. Uh, and, and, and if I had to ask you uh, from here, from, from Solo 2 and from Dreaming, uh, as your solo record, uh, what's next? Uh, uh, if I only knew. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> of course, of course, of um, course. I, I did another interview and I was uh, surprised by the question that this person, he was afraid that this could be the end and he, he also referred to the video uh, of bitter tang and he was happy to hear from me no no this is i mean um i just released now all the solo albums are in available in two box sets but it's not considered at least in my in my in my thoughts it's not the end it's also not clear whether I will take off into a different direction. This I will always leave for the moment. So it's not, I never work in the way that I have a theoretical approach, like now I will um, start doing reggae. And <laughs> I would <laughs> you know, love to see that. <laughs> yeah, who knows, maybe it would even work. But uh, this is not how I I go about when I start working on music. It it's just mm. what happens in that moment when when I play guitar or some other musical instrument, and I collect ideas, and the feelings I have in that in that period will determine where I'm heading. So yes, I can only say. Uh, if I'm permitted to go on working, you, you you know, we all know there's no guarantee for that. But if I'm permitted to keep on working on music, um, I I definitely will. Yes. Uh, well, <laughs> it, it's funny because it, that person uh, was seeing it as, is this the end of something? Well, I saw it as, are you setting it up for a new beginning? Meaning that sometimes uh, I know some artists uh, need to almost... Uh, exercise this work putting it out in the world so they can move forward and uh, and give closure to things so almost like clean the slate and be like okay now i can cl think clearly and uh and, and so mm. so at least i didn't see it as the end i saw it as the beginning yeah, of that's interesting <laughs> i i never saw it that way uh, because of course all of these albums that are in the two box sets they have been with me all the time, you know, Traumreisen, Esperanza, and that all these pieces of music never left me, and I don't have to put a closure to anything. It's it's just really very practical. I want the fans to be able to to put the music on uh, the two box sets in the shelf, and then uh, maybe listen to pick select an album for an evening or and that that's the only idea i don't want to distance myself i don't have to distance myself i know that when i start working i will be different again it's it just yes. you know it will it's a natural thing to um feel slightly different although maybe my personality which doesn't change so radically will still shine through and maybe I will just keep on repeating <laughs> yes <laughs> myself who knows yes I, I uh, on on a on a on a side note on what you were saying of uh, playing uh, uh, picking from the box set uh, your record to play in the house I often uh, play your solo records um, uh, while cooking usually if I you know I would uh, go through two or three you know and uh, play them. they're just great companionship to, to while, while you cook a meal. I find it very... Okay. Yeah, very comforting. 
That's right. Uh, <laughs> that just reminds me, the wife of Connie Plank, Christa Fast, she also loved my solo music. And she told me she put on the music when she was cooking and when she was doing housework. Um, so this is a memory that just uh, pops up when you when you say this. Um, yeah. I, I, of course, I have to, and I gladly leave it to each and every person to decide in which circumstances um, my music makes sense to them and they want to listen to it. It's clear that if you focus on the music, if you really fully concentrate, then you will hear um, details which will, of course, uh, necessarily escape the concentrated, the, the distracted mind when yes. you're also doing cooking. But that doesn't mean that it's wrong because you can see music as a collection of details if you like put on headphones and you really focus on each individual sound or you can feel it as a whole, like a, a sum of um, uh, an emotion, some atmosphere. This is, I understand that. And yes. being a musician, the way I work is I usually listen to details. So it's um, that's something that also bothers me from time to time when, for instance, I go and play billiards with a friend in Hamburg and there, there's music in the hall. And I sometimes I don't like the music, <laughs> not, not so seldomly, but then I notice, wait a minute, your mind is partly distracted i'm listening to the music i can't i should concentrate on playing billiards because my friend is very good so i should really concentrate <laughs> but a third of my brain is following the music and um like processing the music and thinking okay after this harm harmony the next one will be this and the melody will go here and <laughs> so this is um, not a curse but it's um, it's sometimes it's a problem for me because you're exposed to music everywhere if you go shopping you hear music and you know it's there not is, the music you choose yes there is um, uh, one time I was uh, uh, interviewing the artist uh, Juana Molina I don't know if you're familiar with her work um, oh. uh, Juana Molina she's uh, originally from Argentina w wonderful work uh, and um, and that was a, a complaint she was making she said we live in an era where Everywhere you go, you have background music, and we no longer enjoy silence. And uh, uh, she said at one time she uh, chose to travel by boat, uh, thinking it would be this uh, wonderful experience <laughs> from from the you know turn of the century experience, where it's quiet and and they were just playing in the in on the deck music all the time. And she said, I just ended up spending most of the times in my room trying to escape this awful music they were playing and where I just wanted to hear the, the ocean and, and, and so forth and, 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 and similar, similar to what you're saying. Oh, I can totally relate to that feeling and uh, I have the same experience. Um, I don't know, it seems that many people need information, musical information to feel relaxed. Uh, I would also love to listen to the sound of the waves and the ocean and the wind and nature sounds and um, uh, it's it's a funny idea. Of course, when I, for instance, go with my bandmates on a tour and we take a ferry, there's music everywhere. Yeah, you can't escape. Can't. Um, no. Um, but I really also love the sound of silence. By the way. What a wonderful track. I recently heard uh, Simon and Garfunkel again. And it, it's a sound, I, a song I heard back then. And I realized, even though it was not exactly my kind of music back when it was released, but how wonderful this, um, this piece of music is. They, Paul Simon and Art Garfunkel, they did great stuff together. 
Yeah. I'm sorry, I'm always distracting you. No, 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 no that's great. I, I wanted to talk to you earlier about the, the, the most obvious question you probably answer over and over about uh, kind of early influences and, and what, you were, what you were listening to, but I just didn't want to um, kind of go from, uh, from such a probably travel path. Uh, uh, but it's interesting to hear uh, that uh, Simon and Garfunkel, uh, it's something you, you appreciate now that maybe at the time uh, wasn't uh, necessarily what you were into. Um, uh, in, in those yes. days right but I even then I knew this is special yes. it was clear that this is sort of unique it was it stood out yes back then and listening to it now wow I, I have so much respect and I, I really the sound of silence so you know we were talking about silence but yes. Uh, that it was also a great piece of music, non-silence. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yes. Um, as, as an artist, I, I know that I was reading a, a bit on, on the, the, the description of the, the box set uh, it, where it describes... Um, uh, a bit of your path uh, for those the years, some of the years uh, that the box set a uh, solo two covers, and uh, and it talks about um, around the late eighties where where you you were going in a way through uh, um, as as you describe uh, it was kind of a hard time where 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 you felt like like there wasn't so much of a reception of your work and you just kept soldiering on in developing your sound your craft and uh, as an artist and and I think those are the moments that it really tests you as an artist uh, where where is it about uh, do you thrive do you do it just to get good reception from the public or this is truly your expression that you're going to uh, your art that you will continue doing regardless of, of the reception and these are the moments to show that that really your strength as an artist are, uh, uh, really comes comes forward right and, uh, and 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 to ask you this obviously you you soldier on you continue you continue developing your craft and uh, and uh, as a musician, and uh, I wanted to ask you: Do you rely on on any sort of like um, personal exercises or routines or, or or things to keep you creative? I know creativity can be almost like a muscle that you have to to use, right? And and the more you use it, the more kind of it produces. Uh, what what is what are the the day to day things that you that you do, if, if you do at all, uh, to keep you uh, going as an artist uh, for, in the good times and the, and the not-so-good times? Well, um, you're right. Uh, the late 80s were, and the 90s actually also, uh, beginning of the 90s, were quite difficult. Um, harmonia never really happened. It disappeared. The harmonia music disappeared in the late 70s from the record shops. Noi disappeared in the early 80s. The, the albums were out of print. The record company didn't put them on. And by the second half of the 80s, also my, mu my solo music sort of lost um, fans. People were uh, listening to other kinds of music and um, Maybe you have to be stubborn to survive, and um, I, I guess I am in that way uh, stubborn. I was, of course, I have to say, I was very fortunate that my economic situation was stable. I know that the, the, the test is much, much bigger for an artist if the artist is also struggling to survive and to pay the bills. This was luckily never my problem. Um, I was careful with the incoming money. I, I knew very early, from very early on, that my biggest desire was to stay independent and not having to accept bad deals or anything that um, went against my convictions. So that was always how I spent the money. I didn't buy Maseratis or um, houses or stuff like that. I spent it on musical instruments and being independent. So when in the late 80s I presented an album 
to the big companies and they kindly uh, rejected friend <laughs> you know there were always some people who loved some ideas but uh, the higher ups sooner or later always said thank you this is not what we are interested in right now um i of course it's the, your memory can trick you but i know it was a difficult time but i had no choice and i had the freedom um after maybe being frustrated for a while i went back to work and i started working on new music and like with harmonia you know i i would not have stopped the project harmonia in 1976 after the failure commercial failure of deluxe i would have continued it was only the decision of prodius and mobius who didn't want to continue that made me uh, forced me to go solo and so i would have i i i would have continued and i felt the same i just I wouldn't accept no for an answer sort of you know I just said okay well I will record some more music and then I will try again and even the second album in the early 90s had the same fate it didn't go anywhere with the companies the big companies and that's why I um I had to start my own record label which was never my intention. I never wanted to be a record label manager and having to deal with all the decisions that are required. But it was liberating because once I had everything together and could release my all my catalog back then um and only use a distribution company SPV was the company uh I had a deal with I could move forward the music was around again it was alive in a way yeah it was in the shops and I uh, I was sure that when I started working on Esperanza I would release it on my uh, own label so um I'm not sure if I really answered the question but um I think there's a certain amount of stubbornness in me that just just doesn't accept if my love is not um echoed in a way that I want I mean I can accept that when people tell me okay I don't understand your music I I I you're a nice guy but your music I don't know um <laughs> I'm into something else that's really I can accept that oh my um, goodness I was with, together with a woman for many years and she she really didn't understand my music i think um um i this is something i can totally accept yes you know she she liked um george michael and sting yeah <laughs> like, okay that's okay yes you can live with that yes yes, yes. but um uh, yeah i i just for myself it's clear that i i just continue working if i may Yes, yes, uh, for, for what I see it's a combination of of a very um a pragmatic steps of of keep, of of keeping your finances in a way that won't sink you uh that will allow you to quietly do your thing and and and, and obviously uh, uh when the channels uh to put out your music uh are uh no longer there then um finding or creating your own channel to to put out your music it's also what brings you inspiration you're like well it was it's not through here but now it's going to be through this other way and uh and now i can continue in a way quietly if you want to say it i know uh, or in your own at your own pace developing your craft as a musician right yeah i was very happy and i never regretted the decision to do all that um, non-musical work to get a label going and hire people to do promotional work and but of course you also learn so i learned a bit which is interesting and which i may use for other periods in my musical life yes but yes but the main thing was um the music was now no longer only hidden in some locker it was out in the open and the people 
who were interested could find it. And this was so important to me. This was also the reason, or maybe one of the main reasons, why I was so unhappy in the 90s when my neu partner, Klaus Dinger, refused to accept any of the offers we got to release Neu legally. I mean, back then you had the bootlegs everywhere. Yes. I found Neu bootlegs in New York and in Sydney and stacks of them. And we had these uh, talks with Daniel Miller of Mute Records and other people who wanted to release our music. But um, unfortunately, that was a dark decade in that respect. My partner Klaus had very different ideas and expectations. And the good ending was that Herbert Grönemeyer, the German superstar, suddenly appeared out of nowhere on our horizon and um, was determined to get Neu on his label. And nobody could have expected that, you know, uh, I, I knew Herbert Grönemeyer as a musician in the 80s and 90s. And uh, if you had asked me where somebody had asked me, do you think Herbert Grönemeyer will put out Neu music um, next year? I would have said, well, this is highly unlikely. Yes. Um, but it happened. And um, so I'm, I will be forever thankful for uh, to Herbert for um, concentrating and investing so much energy and time in convincing Klaus and maybe uh, I shouldn't be unfair Klaus cannot explain his uh, decisions anymore but um, bringing Klaus and me together to that extent so that the um, albums could be released and they are available ever since and that was a new chapter in my musical life when Neu was re-released all over the world in 2001. Yes, yes. Did that uh, bring a, 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 a different place or maybe it's more of a personal subject, but did, did that bring you closer to Klaus? Uh, um, did that bring a, a difference in the relationship when that happened? Uh, that's a tricky point, really. Um, I must say, Klaus was a very difficult partner. Um, again, because he cannot explain his um, behaviors or his decisions anymore, I, I feel sort of um, um, compelled not to say too much about that. Yeah. He had his reasons. I couldn't understand them. I didn't under accept them. And our relationship stayed difficult until the end, until he died, I think, 2008, or was it 2007? I think 2008. Yes. Um, there was even the idea of recording a new Neue album, but I was very, very skeptical. And, of course, my expectations of recording a Neue album were high. I would not just have released something believing that if I cough on through a microphone, it would be just so marvelous that everybody would need it, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, this is always the, the, the thing, um, working on music. I work until I am convinced. I, this is the, the, the bar is quite high, you know. I have to be totally happy and convinced of what I'm doing, and then I'm happy. Yes, yes. Well, and sometimes I, I stay happy because I realize that my love for the music is shared by other people. Yes. Well, that's wonderful. That is truly wonderful. And uh, I'm, I'm really grateful for the opportunity to talk about the, the, the box set, uh, Solo 2, to talk about Dreaming, uh, which is a, a very inspiring listening uh, that I've been enjoying. It's been a, a companion for the past uh, week or so uh, on, on repeat just to understand it. And, uh, and I, I really look forward to, to what's the next chapter in your career, in, in, in your, in your 
I wouldn't call it career. I don't have to say it. it's. It's funny to say career feels too professional almost. But uh, in your yeah, in your adventure, in, in your in your travels, yes, sort of like with a sailboat on a big ocean and reaching a new coast. Who knows? And of course, I would also enjoy going back on stage. You know, traveling the world like we've done, yes. and playing to audiences and. Ex experiencing the joy music brings to people with yes. the people in the same moment. This is a different situation from working in your uh, private studio and then uh, months later finding out that someone feels happy about it. This is very, um, uh, uh, it's a wonderful feeling of course, but to be on stage and then have this excitement in the same moment as you see smiling people in front of the stage, you see people hopping around being um, happy. Yeah. This is, um, it's a great experience and a privilege, of course, for a musician to experience that. Yes. Uh, well, hopefully we can make it happen here in Los Angeles soon. We can uh, resume conversations and find ways to, to bring you here to, to L.A. To 2021, let's hope for let's the hope. best. Yes, sounds yeah. good. Great, great. Well, uh, th thank you so much uh, for, for joining today uh, in conversation and uh, uh, truly wonderful. And uh, and, and we'll, we'll stay in touch. Thank you, yeah. Arne. Yes, thank, thank you so much, Michael. And uh, It's a very early early time for you, huh? You, uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, no, that's okay. I have I have children, so I wake up really early anyways. They, they, they wake me up really early, and uh, so, so it's not a problem at all. Yes. All right. Yeah. And say hello to John if you meet him. I, I think of him a lot, so I hope he's happy, and I hope to see the chili peppers again, meet Flea, and... Meet the boys. Yeah. Double.